I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. of Bucky's fifth podcast we've got a huge Rose Bowl preview show for you today firstly myself and Matt will preview our regular score predictions stuff like that preview the game itself and then after that we had a very special guest join us in Wisconsin legend Monte Ball he came on the show to talk about his past Rose Bowls because he was a part of the back-to-back-to-back teams a lot of fun chatting with him about that his time at UW and of course his career path now Uh, and everything that he's gone through and and turned it into a really cool positive stuff so a lot of fun chatting with him and then at the back half back end of the show i should say joseph yoon from addicted to quack will be on the show to give us a preview of the oregon duck so a lot of exciting stuff in this one getting ready for the granddaddy of them all so guys make sure to rate review subscribe thank you for listening on wisconsin and enjoy the rose bowl so matt how are we doing today I'm doing great. Uh, a couple of good football games last night. I got caught up on them after I got off my plane, and it was a good day of football, and I'm excited to see kind of what the rest of the bowl games bring about, especially the Badger game. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, the, there's been a lot of bowl games that have kind of been duds, but last night at least we got a good one in Clemson and Ohio State. Um, I, I was going to ask you, what did you think of that uh, catch, not a catch, fumble, not a fumble? Did you think that was or did you think that was a, a non-catch? You know, I, I think it was a catch and fumble, personally. I, I think that uh, there was some questionable calls in that game, but at the same time, I, to me, it just comes down to it, it looked like what Wisconsin did against Illinois where they just kind of shot themselves in the foot and didn't take care of the chances they had with Ohio State missing or missing out on touchdowns on three different red zone appearances and and then obviously the Chris Olave miscommunication at the end. There was just too many times where Ohio State just stubbed their own toe, and this is the result. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking too. I was like, you know what, you can. Yeah, there was some some poor calls that didn't go Ohio State's way, but at the same time, each time they came down in the red zone and and kicked a field goal, it was like, man, that just feels like it's kind of come back to bite you against a team like 
that. I've seen that before with <laughs> with my team and, and the Badgers coming down and you know getting field goals or not getting enough you know points that way. And unfortunately, that can that can come back to get you, and it did for Ohio State. But thankfully, that game was was tight and exciting down towards the very end because a lot of these playoff games since they've started haven't been haven't been much of a game, kind of like the first one. But it was it was pretty fun to see Joe Burrow just put up NCAA 14 type numbers in the first semifinal. Oh yeah, dude was just balling out there with seven touchdowns, and and Jefferson was on the receiving end of four of them in that first half, and they would just put on a freaking clinic on offense. It was exciting to watch. I mean, they even did it without Alaire, who's you know their best running back, and they still marched up and down the field like Oklahoma was a sieve. So it was just it was fun to watch just because of the offensive explosion, but it was also pretty telling about uh. Maybe Oklahoma shouldn't have been there and whatnot, but um, you know, the game is yeah. the game, and we'll we'll move forward. Exactly, exactly. Well, either way, you know, if LSU won, we knew we'd have a pretty good title game, and that sets up pretty nicely with LSU and Clemson. So, look forward to that. But that's still a couple weeks ago away. We've got uh, the Rose Bowl just a couple days away, and you know, on the podcast, you and I have talked about just how exciting it is to be at this game and the pageantry of this game already. But we haven't talked about a lot of the on the field stuff, so. What uh, what intrigues you about this matchup? How do you feel about this matchup against a quality Pac-12 champion in the Oregon Ducks? Yeah, I mean, Oregon, I, I think it sets up really nicely just because this game is going to be a battle in the trenches. Both teams have really stout offense and defensive lines, and kind of just to see the beef up front going at it is going to be fun. I think it's very different than the style that Wisconsin saw uh, back when they took on Oregon before I, I think you know obviously that was such an, a huge game back in 2012 in the Rose Bowl and it was a lot of fun but that was a totally different game I mean you had Oregon with Will Michael James and DeAnthony Thomas two of the fastest guys on earth and and Wisconsin I, I feel like didn't necessarily have the speed to hang with them and was more uh, reliant on their brawn whereas I think this year Oregon is more reliant on their brawn like the Badgers are and Wisconsin actually I think has some pretty phenomenal speed both on the offense and defensive end this season. So I think this is going to be a really fun matchup to see kind of which team can kind of dictate their will and not make the, the mess ups to that rely or give the other team extra possessions. Yeah, I agree with you. I think a lot of Wisconsin fans, when they think of, you know, or the Oregon ducks, they think of chip Kelly's Oregon ducks. And that's not, that's not the same brand of football that Mario Cristobal has kind of implemented for Oregon and, just to see how they've changed and how they've, you know, adapted to a different style of play with maybe some old tactics uh, like that with the, with the spread look, but not so much with the speed look. You know, Oregon of years past was trying to get off as many plays as they could. They they don't do that anymore. They're a, they're a run heavy team with a with a quality quarterback behind a a really good offensive line. So I think matchup wise, this one. In terms of bowl matchups being fairly even on both sides of the football, this this game feels pretty even uh, when you consider both teams have have quality offenses, both teams have quality defenses, both in the top, you know, 30 to 40 range on, on both sides. So this game, at least from from what I've looked at and what I've seen, seems to be really evenly matched. Would you agree? 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I honestly think that this game is, I mean, the spread is kind of indicative of that. I think it's still at three. I mean, it's basically a coin toss game in a lot of ways, just given what teams are both bringing to the table. Uh, I think it's going to be really fun and I think it's going to be exciting. I do think it's going to be a little lower scoring than, than the last time that they met. And I think that that's great. I think it's going to be a, a really fun, hard fought game. Yeah, I can't wait. I'm it, now that I'm starting to think about the Rose Bowls of of years past. I'm starting to get uh, pretty excited just at how how this game's going to shake out, and and these two teams should should put down a great one. At least you know coming into it, I think everyone's really excited for a really quality Rose Bowl like we've gotten the last few years. So let's talk a little bit about the the actual offensive game plan. Obviously, we, we've talked a little bit already about Oregon being pretty even on both sides of the football. Oregon's of years past were we're going to score, we're going to score, and we'll just score more points than you. We won't really worry about defense. That really isn't the case this year. I believe they're a top 25 uh, in total defense nationally. They're they're a solid unit, uh, especially up in the front on their defensive line. Pretty good linebackers. Their cornerbacks and safeties have been a little suspect at times uh, in the past happy league that is the Pac-12, but how do you feel that, you know, Wisconsin matches up against their defense and how do you feel that the Badgers will kind of attack this Oregon defense? Yeah, I mean, you, you kind of hit it, hit the nail on the head talking about that they, they have a pretty good defense. I think they're 23rd in the nation. They're a little better against the run 10th compared to pass, which is their 59th in the nation. Um, and they're pretty good at getting after the quarterback. So I'm I'm expecting that the Badgers are going to pass the ball a little bit more than usual. Jack Cohn has played really well as of late uh, for the most part. I think they're going to have to turn to him and and let Quintez Cephas make plays and see what guys like Danny Davis, if they, he, they can get him involved, Kendrick Pryor, if they can get him involved, and Jake Ferguson. So I think the Badgers are going to have to pass a little bit more than they're used to, and that's going to have to come from the Wisconsin offensive line giving Jack Cohn time to throw the ball. Uh, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau is a no-joke beast. He was, a like, I think the number one or number two recruit in the nation last year for a reason, and he's got nine and a half sacks. So the Badgers are going to have be tested there, but I think Oregon's going to sell out to try to stop the run and make the Badgers beat them with the path of the pass, uh, similar to what Minnesota did. And it's going to be Ken Jack Cohn deliver in that in a lot of ways. I still think Jonathan Taylor is going to get over 100 yards just because they're going to find ways to get him the ball, get uh, him out into space, and allow him to break tackles against a team that doesn't normally uh, go against necessarily the talented backs as Wisconsin. I think Zach Moss is really good, but I do not think he's Jonathan Taylor in a lot of ways. Um, so I think the Badgers will match up fairly well with them, especially if they can get the passing game because, like you said, Arizona State absolutely torched them in the past game. Uh, and they have kind of have a bend-don't-break uh, way to, way about their defense. If the Badgers can kind of just keep things going, they'll have a chance to to put up some points against them. Yeah, that's kind of what I was going to hit on. I think uh, obviously sustaining drives is something Wisconsin's have been strong at for 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 a decade plus in, in converting on third downs and keeping drives moving. I think that's going to be crucial. But I would agree with you in terms of the passing game that I was kind of looking at it and I was like, okay, Oregon's pass defense gives up, you know. 200 yards, 220 yards, and if Jack Cohn throws for for close to 200 yards, I think they win this game, you know, with without a problem. Uh, it's going to come down to you know him and and Quintez Cephas and Jake Ferguson 
making plays to balance out Jonathan Taylor's you know capabilities because like you said every team that is is familiar with Wisconsin or isn't familiar with Wisconsin is going to sell out for JT and they're going to make other people beat him and if you're preparing for one game to take him on and for probably the the only time they're going to sell out to beat Jonathan Taylor and and make Jack Cohn make some throws and thankfully he's been able to do that these last few games I've I've been impressed with his his play against Minnesota I don't think he had a big bad Big Ten championship game by any regard. He he played pretty well, especially in the first half. I know the second half got away from everybody, but we don't need to talk about that anymore. <laughs> but I, I really do think it's going to come down to you know guys like that making plays and it's sustaining drives and and testing this Oregon defense. But at the same time, I think eventually Paul Chris is going to turn and and see how this feel out this running game matchup, and then he might say, you know what, Oregon is not faced, like you said, a running attack like this, an offensive line like this, where they might just start going bully ball if they really start hammering Oregon for, for five, six yards. So I, I'm interested to see, I think that first quarter, how these teams kind of feel each other out is going to be really indicative to how the rest of the game goes. Yeah, and then, and then the big thing is always – um, after you kind of feel each other out, who can make the adjustments? And Wisconsin needs to be able to make those adjustments. They they haven't been able to do it against Ohio State. But at the same time, when you watch them go up against any of the other teams this year, they really were able to make some of the changes that they needed to. Um, so I think that's going to also be a, a big part of this game is, is going back and forth and who can land those haymakers and keep things going um, and sustain the drives that they need to when they've got another team on the ropes. Exactly. Exactly. I totally agree with you. It's going to be, it's going to be fascinating to watch that regard and, and how these teams kind of go back and forth, you know, between, you know, throwing punches. I, th- I think, like you said, it's going to be a kind of a heavyweight fight where, where teams, I don't think it's going to be score after score after score after score. I think it's going to be who makes some plays on third down and who gets off the field and who who keeps drives going is probably going to, you know, come out on top in this game. Uh, so we've talked a little bit about Jack Cohn and Quintus Cephas. I think overall those are the two guys that, that really need to have a strong offensive game outside of Jonathan Taylor, right? Yeah, I would, I would agree. Yeah, I mean, those two just really need to get – I don't know if there's a certain number you need to put on and how many touches you need to get, but I think Quintez Cephas is going to be a, a wide receiver that, you know, test-wise is something that Oregon really hasn't seen yet. So I would say those two are, are going to be the biggest matchup. Is there any other offensive player that you see that, that, that needs to have a big game or, or have production in this game for the Badgers to move the football? Yeah, I mean – I actually think it's more important than even Cephas that Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor have big games just so that they can kind of distribute the ball and not make it so that Oregon can can double Cephas with a safety over the top, make it so that they are able to spread the wealth out a little bit and make sure that Oregon is on their heels and, a lot, and not able to single away a single wide receiver. I mean, you look back to when the Badgers played in 2012, they had Aberdares and Toon over 100 yards and a big reason – for that was they were able to to hit both targets and make sure that um, it wasn't just a one-man show in the passing game. We've seen that when it sometimes gets to that one-man passing game, Wisconsin can get shelled up, and, and we can't have that in this game in a lot of ways. Jack Cohn it has been really good in that intermediate area of hitting his receivers, and he's going to have to do that. And I'm interested to see if he can hit on a deep ball 
um, like he was able to against Minnesota with Cephas, if they're able to to dick and or uh, dip and dunk with the um, other guys on the roster. Yeah, I think a, a second receiver, a second option that's consistently there and open is going to be is going to be crucial when you think about the fact that Quintus Cephas is not going to sneak up on somebody. Oregon knows who he is. He's a superstar receiver at this point now, so you're not gonna you're not gonna sneak one by him, and, and Oregon's not gonna be ready for him. So, getting either Davis or Pryor or or Jake Ferguson open in 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 the passing game is gonna be crucial. I think Ferguson has a chance to maybe have a big game because in the Pac-12 you don't go against a lot of quality tight ends outside of maybe a Stanford. You know, Arizona State runs a little bit of a pro set. But a lot of the, the teams in that league are are pass happy, multiple receiver looks like you'll get from you know Washington State and teams like that. So I'm interested to see how they handle you know a Jake Ferguson. I think he could have a big game, but one of those secondary receiving options is going to have to take some of the pressure off Quintez Cephas and, and open up some holes to make some plays offensively. So I can't wait to see which guy it is, but I think they have to have a plan to to go. Go at one of them if if Quintez Cephas gets either double teamed or or gets covered well by that Oregon secondary, which we've already talked about, has had some issues uh, stopping some passers and, and stopping some talented wide receivers. So you talked about it a little bit. You think this game is going to be a little low scoring, not as not as fast paced as last time. Is there any particular reason why you think that, or or how do you think the pace of this game is going to go? I just think it'll be come down to both teams have tremendous defenses. I think both uh, have their had moments this season where the offenses haven't been clicking um, on on full scale here. When you have a long layover like this, teams can either usually come out real fast or they'll kind of ease into it. I just expect that both of these teams are going to try to feel each other out. It might be a couple of drives before a team is able to hit on a big play or hit on a touchdown drive. So I, I think this will be a lower scoring game because of that. I don't expect a track meet just because I do think the Badgers will do a decent job in stopping the run. Um, and I think that Oregon, for the most part, is going to do a decent job of trying to slow down Jonathan Taylor. So I don't think this is going to be, hey, Wisconsin's getting clips of 10 yards of carry on Oregon or anything like that. So I'm excited to see it. But, yeah, I, I think it'll be a little slower. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I, I, that's what I've been trying to figure out. I've been kind of kicking it back and forth where I think, you know, on paper, this Oregon defense looks really strong, especially against the run. But I just don't know if they've faced a rushing attack of the magnitude of Wisconsin. So I could see the Badgers really, really hammering for big chunks of yards and maybe busting some runs. And then next thing you know, the pace gets picked up. But I'm... I'm not really sure where this I, – I think it's going to be, you know, that first quarter is going to be feel each other out, figure out what's going to work. And then from there, I think things could get the pace kind of picked up and we could see some big plays. And and obviously on the other side, which we'll talk about later, I'm not sure this Wisconsin defense, how they're going to match up with, with the Oregon offense. And we'll, we'll get into that after our – you know, after we finish up our offensive talk. But I think this game will start out slow and then – where that pace kind of gets felt out in that first quarter is going to kind of be indicative of the other three. And, and of course, the halftime adjustments from there. So it's going to be fascinating to watch how these two teams kind of go back and forth. Is there any certain offensive matchup against Oregon's defense that you're really looking forward to seeing in particular? 
Yeah, I'm I'm excited to see the uh, the offensive line versus the defensive line of Oregon. I think I think Oregon has a very talented defensive line with some crazy amount of talent and size up front that uh, Wisconsin has obviously seen because of Big Ten play. But Kayvon Thibodeau is legit. Uh, I mean, he's going to be a future first round pick in in my eyes. He is super good, super talented. Um, and like I said, what, there's a reason he was um, such a highly regarded prospect. So I think the tackles of Wisconsin versus him, I mean, he's a freshman. He's a little bit leaner than um, a lot of defensive tackles, but he is ultra quick. So can the Badgers minimize his effect in the pass rush? I think they'll be okay in against the run with him but at the same time keeping him away from the quarterback making sure that this doesn't turn into the Kayvon Thibodeau show like it did with Chase Young the first time um, will make a lot of a lot of difference in this and then you've also got guys on the inside who, who can go ahead and and make some nice plays as well so I think the Badgers offensive line you know I, I know it was kind of a, a deal that Caden Lyles isn't playing in this game so so Ken, David Mormon, who's played a lot of football, played a lot of guard this season, started in a lot of ways, um, pick up the slack and really make sure that the Badgers are going at all cylinders against a guy like Popo Amave, who's, you know, ultra stout inside and can make a lot of plays. So I like I like the Badgers in this, but I think that matchup of the Badger offensive line versus Oregon's defensive line will will dictate this game in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think trenches on both sides are going to be fun to watch. Obviously, Wisconsin's offensive line is high quality, and or, you know Oregon's defensive line is really strong. But on the other side, Oregon's offensive line is is really good. And of the four units, and this isn't a knock on the Badgers' defensive line, but of the four units, the, the Wisconsin defensive line is probably the weakest, and and that's simply because the other three are really really good. So. I'm interested to see how this game, you know, plays out in the trenches. If you like good offensive line play, uh, you know, and just ramming each other in the trenches and, and getting pushes, and you're going to be in for a treat in this football game because there's a lot of quality offensive and defensive line play. So trench warfare is going to be something to pay attention to as this game goes on and, and as these teams kind of, like you said, feel each other out and, and throw punches back and forth. Yeah, well, um, one well, other – one other matchup that I'm excited to see is Jonathan Taylor versus Troy Dye. Troy yeah. Dye, in a lot of ways, is a lot like Chris Orr. Um, he's he's their vocal leader pretty much for the entire team. Um, you know, he's the heart and soul of, of them. He's been playing with a, a broken thumb for the majority of the season, and he's led the team in tackles the past three seasons, now a senior. He, he, is, he is the heartbeat, and he's a really talented player, um, leads the team in tackles, but I, I want to see if if JT hits that second level and it's and it's one on one Troy Dye versus him who wins I would I mean I would lay down my mortgage on uh Jonathan Taylor in that matchup but at the same time you never know because Troy Dye is such an exceptional player yeah he's yeah he's one that I don't think a lot of people have talked about simply because the star power on both both the offenses but. Troy Dye is is solid. I mean, he's he's been solid for a few years now. He had 100 tackles his sophomore season and over 100 his junior season, I believe. And, you, you know, you mentioned this year with the injuries, his numbers are a little down. But if he wasn't banged up, he's probably, you know, a three-year, 100-tackle type of guy. So he's going to be one that the Badgers are going to have to plan for and be prepared for outside of an already good Oregon defensive line. You've got him behind him. So that's going to be fascinating to watch. 
Guys, that wraps up our offensive talk. We'll get into how the Badgers will look to Oregon, Justin Herbert, and the Duck offense after a couple quick ads. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, guys, we've talked Wisconsin offense. Now let's get into the defensive side of it. You know, really this game, obviously the star power, the the name that everyone is familiar with if you're a Wisconsin fan is probably Justin Herbert. He's, you know, a, a top quarterback in this class. Maybe has fallen back a little bit with the emergence of Joe Burrow. Tua is obviously a top quarterback in this class. But Justin Herbert coming into the season was probably the number one guy in a lot of people's eyes. And overall, he's probably the best quarterback that Wisconsin's seen outside of maybe Justin Fields. And you could probably make an argument for one or the other, especially when Justin Herbert is playing his big games. But he's kind of had some some up and down games over the course of his career. Uh is what concerns you about Justin Herbert at all in this matchup? You know, I mean, he, he's he's very talented. He's he's got a huge arm. He's big. I mean, he's like six six. You know, that's anytime you're seeing a big quarterback like that, six six two forty. He he can he can hold his own in the pocket. Um, he's not a guy who's going to beat you with your his legs, but he is going to stand tall in the pocket. He's completing, you know, two thirds of his passes over 3000 yards and 32 touchdowns. So he's, he's no slouch. He's definitely um, given the accolades because of the success he has had at Oregon, you know, over the past few seasons. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see if the Badgers can get to him with the pass rush. That seems to be the times when he um, does struggle is when teams are kind of knocking him off of his spot and making sure that he is, is not comfortable back there because when he does have time, he, he can rope it all over the field. Yeah, he's got a big arm, and it's it's gotten him not so much into some trouble with interceptions. I mean, he he's had a few games where he struggled with those, uh, but also it's it's made a lot of plays for him, and I think that really comes back to his ability to to throw. Popping up on ESPN all of a sudden, <laughs> um, but Herbert's you know his ability to I think what kind of concerns me is his ability to escape the pocket as well. You know, even if the Badgers get pressure on him, it, it concerns me his ability to move around in the pocket and, and scramble because he's not afraid to tuck in and run. Uh, in the last few games, he's he will he's got seven attempts the last game, four attempts. So nothing huge in the in the design run quarterback runs, but he's his ability to scramble and escape and make throws is something that kind of concerns me just given the Badgers history of struggling against dual threat quarterbacks yeah I mean he like I said he's not gonna run though I mean he he he's averaging 0.4 yards a carry right. on the season and so and and has you know 50 attempts and a good majority of those have been sacks so I, I'm not too fearful of that but I do I know what you're saying when you're saying that for him to extend plays yeah 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 that's that's what I'm that's what I mean you know I think just if if the Badgers get to him and he shifts around or shifts out he's got that arm where you know, you saw Trevor Lawrence last night just rolling out of the pocket and, and delivering a strong throw, rolling out where you know, Justin Herbert has that ability. So that part kind of concerns me a little bit, just 
just given the fact that Wisconsin has been susceptible some to some broken plays and some, you know, I think of the Justin Fields third and seven had him wrapped up. He escapes and makes a big throw. I think Justin Herbert has the ability to do that. So I'm, I'm a little concerned with that, but more so, I think you, you have to be more worried about just his pure arm strength and his ability as a passer. You talked about getting pressure. I think that's another big concern for Wisconsin, just given how strong this Oregon offensive line is. So how do you feel that Jim Leonard's going to dial up enough pressure to get to Herbert and make him make mistakes like like he, he faced against a team like Arizona State uh, a few weeks ago? Yeah, I mean, I think the Badgers are going to get creative. Jim Leonard's had a couple weeks here to, to dial some stuff up. I don't expect Zach Bond to be sitting there lined up every time against Penny Sewell, who obviously the best won the award for best offensive lineman in the country, del- deliberately so. Like he is extremely talented, is going to be a uh, first round pick, no doubt. Um, but I think they'll move him around a lot. I think it'll be nice to have Chris Orr, who's been so dominant and blitzing in the middle as well. So I, w- I expect a lot of twists, a lot of movement from the linebackers and defensive line to try to confuse and shift some things on on the front. I think that'll help Wisconsin. Wisconsin's obviously, uh, obviously averaging almost four sacks a game. I, I think they'll get to him. I, I think they're going to need to. Um, the, the key thing is, can they deliver when they get to the quarterback with making a turnover or something big? Because that's really what the Wisconsin defense thrived on those first six games when the defense was playing out of their minds. Can they get back to that spot and make the splash plays when you do get to the sack? Um, I think that's going to be the biggest thing to look out for in this bit in this game. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. Just getting there and and making the play when you get there, I think is going to be indicative of how Wisconsin does defensively. And, you know, for as good as this Oregon offensive line is, and they've protected pretty well, they still have given up 23 sacks, which when you look at the strength of this unit and they've got five experienced guys, five quality linemen on their offensive line, they still given up a, a fair number of sacks. And, you know, if you're averaging you know, almost to a game, you're, you're giving up a decent amount. You know, that, that ranks, I think, like it was 50th or something when I looked. So they're as good as they are and as quality are, they will give up the sacks from time to time. And and I don't know if they've faced, again, a, a pass rush like Wisconsin's. You've They've taken on Utah, and, and they really did a good job against Utah. But Utah was more of a, a strength run defense uh, type unit. So... But going against a, a pass rush like Wisconsin's is going to be another big test for the Oregon offensive line that hasn't been bad in giving up sacks, but hasn't necessarily been as good as we've we've kind of expected just given the strength of that unit. So I'm fascinated to see how how the batters will will dial up blitzes and get creative with their guys like Zach Bond and Chris Orr to get to Justin Herbert because when you get to him is when he makes mistakes and if the batters can capitalize on that it'll be a huge game in terms of momentum and in terms of possession gain. So that's going to be important to watch. Obviously the other part of Oregon is their other weapons. We've talked about Justin Herbert already, but CJ Verdell, a deep receiving core, you know, CJ Verdell, their tailback, uh, almost a 2000 yard rusher, a little over 1500 yards, 17, I think is where he ended up getting to, but he has, he has, he has 1100, but they, Oh, 1100. Yeah, but him and Travis Dye, their other running back, he has over 600. So between the two of them, they have like 1,800. Maybe that's what I was uh, adding them together. But either way, kind of a two-headed monster, not not super strong, 
but but quality guys. I know there, there's been some inconsistencies, at least with Verdell, in terms of of getting to the hole and making the cuts that they want him to. But outside of that, they've got a pretty talented receiving core as well, with a few names that the Badgers fans might be familiar with. Uh, so, what other offensive weapon concerns you for this Badger defense? I mean, I think for me, it's it's Johnny Johnson. He he can make some big time plays. He's similar to Cephas in terms of his numbers. <coughs> excuse me, with over 800 yards receiving, but he's catching at almost 15 yards a clip. So he he can make big plays. He has a 73 yarder on the year. Um, so he's a guy with anytime they've had a big game, he's kind of shined uh, as their primary receiver. They also have Juwan Johnson, the Penn State transfer. He struggled with drops throughout his career, but he seems to be coming on these past couple of games. Uh, big, like six foot four wide receiver that I know the Badgers were in on in, during his recruitment out of the same place as Corey Clement. And then obviously those running backs, like you said, C.J. Verdell, Travis Dye, a, a good a good duo in a lot of ways. They they are uh, not going to be huge home run threats. At least Travis Dye isn't. Whereas C.J. Verdell can can hit the long bombs. He has an 89 yarder on the year. So they both average about the same at like six yards a carry. So it's going to be important for Wisconsin to not give up big plays because both C.J. Verdell and um, Johnny Johnson can can make splash plays when given the chance, and Wisconsin can't afford that. Yeah, exactly. You know, you've thought, you think about early, you know, in that middle part of the season where Wisconsin was getting with hit with big plays in the Illinois game and the Ohio State game, that that really can't happen. But I think in terms of Wisconsin, they've kind of gotten better as a defensive unit and gotten back to not giving up those big plays later down the season. And, you know, I think of the Nebraska game where it seemed like every – Every other play was a huge chunk play. That that can't happen against a team like this because when Oregon's offense really gets going downhill, it can it can cause some problems. But you know, you mentioned that the, the weapons. Obviously, Juwan Johnson is is kind of came on later, uh, was maybe expected to be a bigger role. But Johnny Johnson is no joke. He's he's a he's a high quality receiver that the Badgers have have faced a few good receivers. You know, Chris Olave is probably the best one they've faced and is probably better than anyone on this Oregon, you know, team, but he's, he's right up there with, in, in terms of quality receivers. So I'm interested to see how the secondary matches up with those guys that are big physical receivers. Obviously you talk about in the Minnesota game with Wisconsin doing a pretty good job of handling those two guys, how they handle those Oregon guys. And if they can do it in similar fashion should be pretty beneficial to them going forward in this game. All right, we've talked about really the everything of the defense. We've talked about everything on the offense. So let's get into our just our overall thoughts of this game, and then we'll do a score prediction. So in the end, what do you think this game will kind of come down to? How do you see it playing out? And, and what do you think your final score will be? I think this is going to come down to, to turnovers and, and teams not making mistakes. I think too often, like I said, in the first six games, Wisconsin had – one of the top turnover margins in the entire country. They were rocking it. Since then, they've kind of slipped back. They're about middle of the pack at 50, 49th in the country with just just barely a positive turnover margin. Oregon, on the other hand, has a plus one turnover margin and is seventh in the country. Neither team generally throws interceptions too often, but it's can Wisconsin limit putting the ball on the turf? We've seen Wisconsin struggle when they've had fumbles. That's really hurt them against Illinois. It hurt them uh, against Nebraska. It's hurt them throughout the season. Um, can they limit the turnovers, but instead 
create some havoc plays of their own, I think is going to be huge in this game. And then the other thing is going to be the punting game. Wisconsin has struggled this season with, with punting the football. Um, Oregon isn't somebody who's going to all of a sudden have some unworld punter. Um, they don't. His, their punter averages about 40 yards a punt. But what they do have is a solid punt return unit at seventh in the country. So Wisconsin's going to need to make sure that they're able to, uh, when they need to punt, flip the field in a way that isn't going to give Oregon the chance to return. Um, and because I think that's those are the type of things that can tilt a game in a lot of ways is punting and kicking and turnovers. I, I think Wisconsin has a, a decent edge in some different spaces of this game. But in the special teams unit, that's an area that that worries me, especially when you couple turnovers into it as well. Um, neither team has great kickers, but um, Wisconsin needs to be um, on point with their kicking game both on punting and kicking in order to uh, win this game, I think. Yeah, that's important to note because obviously, you know, a lot of, we, we often talk, we always talk about the offense and the defense, but special teams has not necessarily been a huge, huge weakness for Wisconsin, but it hasn't, it hasn't been strong by any means. And especially in the kicking game and in the punt return game for Wisconsin, but that's something that could really, if, if there's an edge or Wisconsin's gaining momentum, if you make a mistake in a game like that, that can put a team right back into it if they make a big play. So eliminating that is, is probably going to be crucial for the Badgers in this game. And, and it's something important to note with all the storylines of this game. Special teams probably doesn't get talked about as much as they can, but it's it's going to be in another phase of the football game that, that people need to pay attention to. Uh, did you give a score prediction or you or you want to throw that in there quick? Um, I can. Yeah, I, I think – this game is going to be kind of a grind. I think both teams will put points on the board. I think this game is going to come down to, like I said, the turnovers and special teams. And if Wisconsin can dictate their time of possession, which they have most of the year with over 35 minutes a game, I got Wisconsin winning by four, 28-24. Okay. Similar similar to what I had. I, th- I think uh, Wisconsin is going to win as well. Um, you know, look at us, the, the two Badger podcast guys picking the Badgers. But I was I was leaning more uh, like 31-27. So really just one more score kind of I think it's going to start out slow. Both teams are going to try and figure out what this what the opposing side's going to do. And that'll keep it to a low scoring first quarter, maybe first half. But I think in that second half, as things adjustments get made and, and things get rolling, going down, you know, down the field and, you know, offenses start clicking and figuring things out. I think we'll see some scoring in the second half. So I, I just think back to Rose Bowl games in the past where I don't think the field so much is is more susceptible to big plays and speed like you see at some fields. But uh, the over is hit, I think, at five of the last six. So teams can really get their offenses clicking and, and rolling and, and speed can play a big factor in this game. So I think it's going to be tight late and, you know, high scoring in the second half and low scoring in the first half, but I have the Badgers edging it out 31 27 as well. So kind of the same, same type of football game that we're both kind of seeing. So right as of right now. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think that's, I do th- actually think that's how it's going to play out here. Um, I, I think it's going to be uh, one of those games where to see if Wisconsin can kind of get out of the rut that they've been when they get to the Rose Bowl. Um, I think it actually helps to have a couple of former players who lost in Rose Bowls on the team 
Um, you know, we, as analysts, Kevin Claxton and Scott Tolzien were both on the staff when they lost that Rose Bowl in 2011. I'm sure they're going to have a, something to say to this team about how much that stings for them. And, and just to see if Wisconsin can win, I think it would be their fifth straight bowl win or a sixth straight bowl win. Am I right? Yeah. There? Yeah. I think it'd be, I think it'd be fifth, um, fifth or sixth. Yeah, you're right. They've won. At, I know it's been at least four, so it'll be interesting to see if they can, if they can keep that going. I know Paul Chris has won all his bowl games, so it's, it's been a, a good run for him in that and it would be nice to get over that hump and and get him in this team a Rose Bowl because they've had a great season I know the three losses sting in a lot of ways but to finish this season off right finish off what could be Jonathan Taylor's final game send him off with a a big bowl win uh in his final game possibly would would be huge and especially again for that senior class as well Zach Vaughn Chris Orr a lot of these guys that have, have been part of the programs for a long time it would be awesome to see them go out the right way in Pasadena. So I'm looking forward to it, and hopefully the Badgers can get over the hump. But um, I'm it would excited. Be six. For, yeah, six straight games. Yep, it would be their sixth straight bowl win if they can take care of business. And that's got to be one of the longer streaks in the country, I would imagine, just thinking back to some other games and some other teams. So to keep that rolling in a in a big spot like that would be not only huge for for this current team, but huge for the future direction of the Wisconsin football program. So I can't wait to see it, and I'm, I'm really hoping the Badgers get over that hump. All righty, guys. Well, that wraps up our portion of the Rose Bowl podcast. We're now going to kick it over to our interview with Monty Ball. Badger fans, we now welcome on a very special guest to Bucky's fifth podcast, you all know the name, no doubt about it. A Badger legend, obviously a great career at UW. 83, 84 touchdowns, I believe, uh, which was just an insane amount of, of scores, and it's been a ton of fun to watch, I think, back to all those Rose Bowl years. And obviously this guy was a big part of it. So, guys, please welcome on Monty Ball to the podcast. We're going to do a little Rose Bowl preview, just catch up with him. Uh, but obviously he was a huge part of those back-to-back-to-back Rose Bowls. So, Monty, thanks for coming on. How's it going today? Yes, yes. sir, man. Uh, I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well, and I really appreciate you having me, man. It's it's awesome to have you on. Obviously, like I said, talking to a, a Badger legend, part of that, you know, really that that great run of Wisconsin football that has has been pretty special. And now the Badgers are back to Pasadena, which a place that you obviously know pretty well. How exciting is that? Yeah, very exciting. Um, it's it was obviously. Uh, nerve-wracking just uh waiting to see if we would get the bid of course just how the season played out and everything but i was very excited obviously once it went through and uh, i do think the team is deserving of and i really really believe that we're actually going to come out with the win this time so it's just a wonderful experience for the players the coaches um and the fans as well absolutely yeah i'm excited to watch it and you know it's been it's been a few years but it's always cool to be back Obviously, I mentioned already, you know, you played in the last three Rose Bowls, like mm-hmm. I said, those back-to-back-to-back seasons, and you had 100 yards and touchdown in each of them, 100-plus yards in each of them. Um, but just the atmosphere alone of Pasadena has always looked pretty pretty special. Um, so just what is it like to be part of the Rose Bowl as a player, uh, and what kind of experience was it for you? Yeah, man, it's one of those things where I always like to share this. It's, uh, you know, whenever you recruited to play at Wisconsin, you're obviously – you know, you're shown the stadium or they show you the stadium. They talk about uh, the players before you, the atmosphere there at Camp Randall. But obviously there's such rich history with the Rose Bowl. Um, and that's what you're 
um, kind of you taught the history of that as you're being recruited. And um, a lot of my uh, reason for becoming a Badger was because of that uh, history. So being able to play in three of them, man, was honestly a remarkable experience because I just know how much it means to, you know, the players around me, uh, the coaches, the fans, uh, the program. So uh, just being able to run out on the field during game days, uh, honestly, memories that we still talk about today, um, me and a couple of the players and uh, something we'll never forget. That's awesome, man. I mean, obviously, it's a, a, a you can tell just hearing from your voice how much of an impact it had on you. And it's it's yeah. awesome to see even if you're not, you know, starring in the game, it seems like it's a pretty special experience. So it is. Yeah, it is. And it's, you know, we like you said, we did we were back to back to back. Unfortunately, those didn't turn out the way we wanted to. But uh, it's still a remarkable experience for the entire program. Great exposure for recruiting. Um, and every single game was a closed game. It's uh, that's the beauty about football. That's why his players appreciate it because it just comes down to just one play. And uh, like I said, unfortunately, we fell short, but it's a lifelong uh, memory that we all uh, continuously share. Absolutely. Well, that's awesome. I mean, you know, you mentioned it already a little bit. You know, I know they didn't end you know, particularly how you wanted, which which is tough for, of course, the players and the part of it but it's still special but was there a certain memory of the rose bowl that kind of sticks out to you or something that you look back on you know positively or, or was one rose bowl <laughs> <laughs> or anything that you took positive from from one of those three games oh well here's the thing there's a little there's a there's so much positive that i take from obviously just being in pasadena um you know it's always off it's always awesome obviously going to cali um in January from Wisconsin, first off, because um, <laughs> <For> sure. <laughs> of the weather. But talking about the game, the memory that pops in my head out of all three is uh, there was a second left on that clock whenever, <laughs> <laughs> whenever Russell spiked the ball or what have you. Um, obviously, there was nothing we could do post-game about it, but uh, that sticks out the most to me because I believe we would have came out with that one with a win. We were right there. Um, and I believe we would have uh, shocked the world beating the uh, beating the Ducks. Oh, yeah, that one. That one's always uh, the, the one that sticks out to me the most simply because of that ending. But it was it was awesome <laughs> to watch. And I know it was probably frustrating to be on the field, just kind of looking around like what's going on. You know, it's yeah. a confusing time. <laughs> yeah, uh, we all thought, um, you know, first off, the officiating was phenomenal the entire game. Um and yeah, um, bias, of course, I, I will always believe that there was a second still left on the clock and what we were on like the 35 or something like that going something in like or, that. yeah, we would have, we would have came out that one with the win, but honestly, man, pass is a pass. I am beyond thrilled, um, to see what our badges are going to do against the ducks again. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool that they're back in, back in that spot against a similar team. A lot of history right. between you guys for sure. Yeah, absolutely. man. It's going to be sweet. Well, I mean, obviously, your final game at UW was that last Rose Bowl. And, and for this senior class, you know, Chris Orr, Zach Vaughn, possibly Jonathan Taylor going to the draft, <laughs> mm-hmm. this could be their final game as well and, and will be for the other two. And, and a lot of the senior class that's won a lot of games. So what would you, if you had the opportunity to, to talk to those guys, what would you tell them about their last game being in a place like Pasadena? Yeah, man, it's it's uh, <clears throat> that's such a great question because uh, – even though I do believe that I left it all on the field. Um, well, actually, I know I should rephrase that. Uh, I, I When I look back and watch the game, it looks like I left everything out on the field. But just being my hardest critic, I always feel like I could could have done more. You know what I mean? I could have mm-hmm. done more. So I always tell, you know, the senior class or whoever 
whatever players will be going into the draft, uh, do as much as possible as you can. Um, you know, there's no such thing as being tired because this is it. This is this is the last time you'll be wearing a Badger uniform. And 10 years from now, 15 years from now, you're going to be looking back on it and just uh, wishing that you really put it all out there on the line. And uh, I'm not saying that they won't, not saying that I didn't. It's just just give it your all. As cliche as that sounds, it's it's so true because you will look back on it and be like, gosh, there's probably something more I could have done um, to come out with the victory. Now, that's obviously speaking from my past <laughs> of not sure. winning them. Um, I'm expecting for our Badgers to win. Um, it's just one of those things, uh, you know, just from someone, you know, for me playing in three of them back to back to back, I'm always going to tell players to make sure that you put it all out there. Make sure you give it all for your teammates, your fans and everything, because uh, these are memories that you're going to cherish forever. That's awesome. That's awesome to hear, man. How big of it? I mean, I, I know you've talked, we've talked about just how cool it is. Obviously the Rose bowl, everyone looks at it with, with lore and love and, and especially yeah. if you're a big 10 or Badger fan, but how big is it just for, programs in terms of recruiting so you kind of mentioned already that that's kind of something you talk about a lot when you're getting recruited to big 10 or pac-12 schools what how big is it in in terms of that standpoint to get to this game and get that you know in ingrained in kids minds for future years yeah it's huge man it's huge first off it's just uh it's it'll always be tough recruiting you know um athletes from cali to come play in wisconsin uh first off um, you know, just because of the weather and a lot of, not a lot of, uh, you know, athletes growing up in, in sunshine States want to, want to, you know, stay four years in a state, uh, that's, uh, quite gloomy <laughs> and, and a lot of, a lot of snow. So it's just great exposure for the program. Um, great exposure for, you know, the pack programs as well too, just because of the recruiting, just like I stated, it's, it's, you get the TV time, you get that exposure, and you, then you also get to talk about the game whenever you go on your recruiting months that come up right after you're done, um, you know, playing the game. So it's uh, it's something that a lot of us players t- don't take for granted because we understand that, uh, you know, even if it is our last game when we're going to the draft or what have you, we know that we're still going to be Badger fans forever, and we want the next recruiting class to uh, dominate. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's pretty special to hear. I mean, I know I, Rose Bowls, you know, some people say that, you know, with the playoff and it, it's kind of a consolation prize. But I don't think any Badger fan or player or a person around the program looks at it that way simply because of of how special that New Year's Day game can be out in Pasadena. So, that's special, man. It's the you know granddaddy of them all. It's uh, like I said, it's something that we are we learn a lot of history about it as we're being recruited. And um, like I said, just being able to play in it. You know, you are actually part of history, you know, within a, a big time program too. being being uh, in the Wisconsin Badgers. Absolutely. I mean, the other thing I was going to ask you about, I, I know we've talked about in terms of recruiting, but how do you feel about the program, uh, the Wisconsin football program right now? Do you feel it's going in the right direction? Do you, are you you know, is there anything yeah. that you would, you know, or, or how do you feel about <laughs> the state or, or what do they, you think they'll get to that next level here soon? Or what do you think? I tell you what, um, you know, my opinion prior to this, <laughs> the last two weeks or whatever, um, was we need to do a better job of of exhausting our resources to to get some, you know, high profile athletes uh, to Wisconsin. But I do believe we actually have. I mean, we got some we got some four stars coming, correct? Uh, 
um, some high four-star players coming to Wisconsin, um, and that I'm look, really looking forward to here this next season. Um, so I do believe that the program is heading in the right direction. I really, really do. Um, I just believe that we have to keep on that recruiting. Um, at times, I do believe that we don't um, use as much of our resources as we should in the recruiting. Um, but again, that's that's my opinion. Everyone has one. I just hope that we continue to travel to Cali to grab players, travel to Florida to grab players. Even if we believe that they still might not come to Wisconsin, we still should go and sit in their living room and chat with them. Because as a player, when I was being recruited, that meant a lot to me. You know, if this college, this 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 coach is going to come to my living room and chat with me. Then they they really really want me. So again, it's my opinion, um, but sure. I, I I do believe though. I do believe from these last two weeks, I, I've been watching the news and seeing that we've been getting some big time players now committing here to Wisconsin. I do believe we're heading in the right direction. Awesome. Well, you always want to hear that from a from a former legend like yourself. So that's that's good to hear. Uh, speaking of that, let's talk a little bit just about your overall career. We talked a lot about the Rose Bowl, but. Yeah. Um, now I see on here that it says 83 career touchdowns, but I don't think that's correct. Right. I no. saw your Twitter that you were looking at 84 from that touchdown pass to Russell, right? <laughs> Come on, man. And that's the thing too. It's like, uh, I always hate, I always hate mentioning it. Cause I mean, it's so long ago. I sure. mean, it's kind of like a, you know, not like a, it's kind of like a who cares now type of thing, but I'm just like, but hold on a second. Like, uh, <laughs> I'm like, I technically, I mean, I know I did. I threw a pass to Russell Wilson against Indiana for a touchdown. And how are they not counting that as a, as a total touchdown stat for me? Because that would push me over the 39 mark to 40, which would then make me the single season touchdown record holder. Yeah. Um, if, <laughs> if I were you, I, I, you, you say it doesn't matter, but to me, that would matter. <laughs> and that's the thing is because then it's uh well, you know, you tied with Barry, but technically you didn't because they didn't count, you know, they're counting my postseason stats. I was like, okay, yeah, 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 I get all that. But if you're <laughs> going to count them, then count everything. <laughs> I was yeah. like, count the touchdowns. <laughs> so it's 40 touchdowns, and I don't get it. I'm still looking for answers from the NCAA. I probably won't get them, but it's, uh, it's, it's one of those, you know, hey, uh, everyone knows. <laughs> exactly exactly that's funny well i'm counting it as 84 so I'll, if, if we talk about it anymore on this podcast i'll say 84 <laughs> career touchdowns appreciate, i appreciate that man yeah of, of course man um i mean the the other thing i wanted to ask you about in terms of your career obviously i think looking back these back-to-back -back rose bowl teams this last couple of weeks we were doing you know all decade type players and posts mm -hmm. on our website and and really you were part of i think I think that one of the most talented trios of running backs in college football history. I mean, you guys, they knew you were going to run it and it, it didn't matter, uh, you know, with James White and Melvin Gordon. But obviously, I know you guys are, are, are older now and in different paths of your lives. But how is your relationship with those two uh, today? Oh, man, we talk at least once a week. We're in a group chat. Um, James sends pictures of his uh, of his son to us um and uh we we are very close they'll actually because i just moved back to the madison area from denver back in august um so recently moved here so they will all be back here come may for a wedding that we're all going to attend so uh we're pretty close man just because we understand that uh you know those are friendships that uh that last um they're they last forever man james was my roommate in college so it's one of those it's, it's awesome to see him 
what he's doing at the next level. Awesome to see what Melvin's doing at the le- next level. They most definitely deserve it. Um, they're extremely hard workers. and uh, But, yeah, most importantly, we're really great friends. That's awesome to hear. I mean, you could you could see that when you guys, you know, I was watching back old highlight tapes of, of all three of you, you know, last night to prepare for this. And you can see it, you know, in your celebrations and stuff, how close the of a knit that not only you three, but just kind of those 2011, 2012 teams were. They seemed very close knit. And that's probably why you guys, you know, won a lot of games. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's a lot of just like, you know, a lot of people who watch the game of football understand that. Um, it's all about the chemistry, man. It really is. And people don't believe that, but it, it is. The teams that go on to dominate and win and, you know, build dynasties or what have you are the teams that, um, you know, truly care about one another in that locker room. They really do. Uh, and, I, and that just pours out onto the field. Um, so that's why uh, I do believe that we're still close to this day, just because we understood, you know, the sacrifices we were making together. Um, and, and, you know, the great times that we spent together while we were, you know, on campus in class, in, in, in our uh, apartment uh, and on the field. Um, so it's right. awesome to see them right now doing great things. And, uh, yeah, still include me, you know, I'll fly out there to watch them play or what have you. It's, it's, it's an awesome thing, man. I'm, I'm still deciding. So I wanted to get a Jersey, right. <laughs> <laughs> With, uh, you know, split down the middle of, you know, yeah. white on one side, gold on the other, but, uh, you know, Melvin changed his number. I'm like, okay. Uh, and then obviously no one knows where Melvin's going to end up this next right. season. So I'm just holding off right now. So uh, <laughs> just to find out where he's going to be. And then I'm going to end up doing that. That'll be awesome. That'll be awesome. That's yeah. smart. That's smart. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. I mean, you guys were a, a pretty tremendously talented, you know, a three-headed monster, so to speak. Yeah, man. In that backfield. So it's, uh, I'll, I'll never forget it. Yeah. It's, it's um you don't that's the thing is you don't I don't want to get too long with it here on this topic but it's one of those things man it's you don't see that everywhere you know what I mean a backfield mm-hmm. like that uh, to where we just meshed perfectly off the field and you saw it on the field how well we we were so unselfish you know what I mean it was uh you know hey if you're gonna take me out to put James in on the five yard line for him to get a touchdown I'm perfectly fine with that and you saw that plenty of times James will go in for a wildcat. And, and get the touchdown and I'm celebrating with him as if I scored it. <laughs> so it's, it's one of those things where it's, it's, uh, it's, we really cherish those memories, man. Absolutely. Obviously we, I think everybody around Wisconsin knows your, your post UW career and, and mm-hmm. the struggles that you had, but yeah. you seem to, I mean, I, I was watching other interviews and you've seemed to really embrace that struggle in your life and turn it into uh, you know, a positive. Obviously, I, I read an article where you mentioned kind of a metamorphosis for yourself. Yeah, um, so I was just going to ask you, can you catch us up on on where you're at now <laughs> and, and just kind of how your battles have, have kind of helped you to allow yourself to give back and help others? Because it seems like that's been a really main focus of your life. It has, man. It has. And uh, it's one of those, it's, you know, the saying that I, I, I love this thing for the longest time, man, that, you know, calm, <clears throat> you know, a uh, calm sea, you know, doesn't make a, you know, a skilled sailor, you know what I'm saying? So I, I really, truly love to embrace challenges, embrace hard times. And I was never one to just say those cliche sayings and not believe them. Um, so for me, I look back, you know, hindsight being 2020, everything that I've been through, dealt with, um, you know, I embrace it because I believe without it, I probably, you know, won't be alive. I wouldn't be alive. Um, because I'm so blessed and happy to have stopped drinking. 
Um, now I see my son, you know, he'll be four in April. Um, he's the one who actually helped me stop drinking, but now being able to experience life with my child is a blessing. Um, being able to battle my demons prior to him understanding anything <laughs> is most definitely a blessing. So for me, I, I, I kind of look back on everything and believe that football was given, um, given to me, um, you know, to use it as a platform and to speak on something greater than myself. And that is addiction, um, because I do believe that many families, every family, I should say, they, there's someone in the family that's dealing with addiction and it not only affects them, it affects everyone around them. Um, so I go around the country, man, speaking, speaking about it, um, helping others, speaking to boys and girls clubs, spending my time there playing games with them, um, donating back to the Moneyball Fund, which is for mental health um, care for UW student athletes. Um, I'm all 10 toes in, man, because uh, I know that I'm not the only one who, who dealt with it. I know some other players who are just better at hiding it, um, which is unfortunate. Um, but it's it's one of those things, man. I, I understand my life journey now. I understand why everything happened, and I'm most definitely blessed to be on the other end. Now going around speaking about it and uh, helping others um, is really what I'm doing, and I really love it. Yeah, that's great to hear. Because I mean, you know, a, a lot of those times, I'm sure there's people that you know in the past have have not wanted to talk about things like right. that are hard and for you to you know give back and and help people find a way <laughs> to talk about that and get that stuff off their chest is is huge so i applaud yeah, that right. very much and that's what i that's why i always like to you know i'll talk about it because it's it's one of those things where i, I never point the finger i take full ownership of uh me wanting to drink and me committing the act that i committed it's uh you know i do understand that people will not like me and they have their opinion and, and they don't have to like me. Um, but I do understand that there are people who like me even more because um, I receive messages, messages, excuse me, on, on, a, on a daily basis of, of a lot of women who come to me and say, you know, when that, once that news came out, they, they wrote me off, they were done with me. But they actually say now that they respect me more um, because of what I'm doing and how I owned up to it and stuff like that really, really resonates with me in a great way. And, I, and, I'm, and I'm truly grateful, man. That's awesome. That's really awesome. Well, man, I, I, I know this season uh, you guys, you've been working on kind of a, a family fun atmosphere to help, yeah. you know, obviously Wisconsin culture is to, you know, the drinking is, is huge and prevalent on, on game day experience. But it seems like, you know, from what I saw in some interviews, you're, you're putting on more of a family friendly atmosphere. You don't have to worry about that. And you can take your kids too. So could you tell us a little bit yeah. about that? Yeah, man, it was, it's crazy how, how it went about because I really wasn't planning on doing something like that. It was just, it just organically exploded in a sense. Um, I just felt like, like I wasn't the only one I was like, Hey, I kind of don't want to take my son down to campus uh, and experience, you know, the Badgers dominating, you know, a team while sitting inside of a bar. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, uh, my son is three. I'm like, I know I'm not the only one. And I live out towards the sun prairie area. So I'm like, why don't I kind of think of, you know, do, doing something with, uh, you know, Marcus Palace Theater, where it's people from Sun Prairie or Madison, really wherever, because there was people who came from Milwaukee to attend, um, oh. to kind of sit in, you know, who doesn't want to watch on a big screen in a recliner and push a button and a waiting service comes to you. So I was like, uh, you know, so I met with Marcus Palace Theater on Sun Prairie and they were all all on board with it and it went super well man 
So we called it, you know, just a tailgate party is what it was. And even though there were still people there drinking and stuff, which they actually asked me if it's okay. And I was like, hundred percent is okay. If you get a drink, it's like, I'm like, just because I can't handle it doesn't mean you can't, um, but long story short, man, it went well. That's been my goal is not only to just pour on the people, you know, to be careful with drinking or what have you. It's, you know, just to show people that you can experience hard times. Um, but there is a necessary process that you can take to come out the other end better. And that's just been my goal. Absolutely. Well, it's a great goal to have, man. That's, that's, that's really awesome to hear. And, you know, it's, uh, it's pretty special to, to put on something like that, but yeah. All right. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I, you know, once a Badger, always a Badger, man. And that's why, you know, I am a diehard Badger fan now, even more than ever, uh, just because, well, my fans have, you know, they've stood stood by my side, man, through the bad, <laughs> the good, bad, and ugly. So I'm very grateful. Absolutely. All right, man. Well, I, I it's been about 20 minutes. I don't want to take too much of your time, no, but I wanted to get your <laughs> wanted to get your prediction on this year's Rose Bowl. If you got a score prediction, I, I'm guessing I know who you're going to pick to win, but right. uh, let me know how you think the the game's going to go. I think it's going to be. I actually think the Badgers are going to. I think they're going to dominate. You know, pretty, pretty, uh, pretty well. I think we're gonna probably beat them. I'm thinking like 31 to like 21, man. I think it's gonna be a pretty, a pretty good game on our side. I do. I think I think Jonathan Taylor is gonna put up some really good numbers, and our offensive line is gonna dominate the trenches. So not not the track meet like you were a part of in that 45 <laughs> 38 game, but <laughs> no, no, no. I think, but I do think that uh, you know we got the size, of course, just like we had in the past. I just believe that this team is really going to show up, dominate, and uh, walk out with a very convincing win. Well, I hope you're right. I I, <laughs> I, I am very much hoping you're right, and hopefully they can come away uh, from Pasadena with the win. <laughs> yep, so 31-21, Matt. There we go. There we go. All right, we've got score predictions from uh, the, myself and Matt, and then Monty here uh, to picking the Badgers to win, so three for yep. three. So it's going to happen. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Obviously, you are welcome on anytime. If you ever got anything to promote or, or anything like that, you feel free to join us. Uh, we really appreciate you taking the time and uh, enjoy the Rose Bowl. Yes, sir. Well, thank you for having me, man. This was awesome. Was of course. Awesome. Go Badgers, man. Go Badgers on Wisconsin. Yes, sir. We're now going to kick it over to Jordan Yoon, who's going to give us some more insider look on the Oregon Ducks. He provided some good insight on this Oregon team, their strength and weaknesses so far. So make sure to tune in for that. Thank you guys for listening on Wisconsin. All right, Badger fans, we now welcome on Joseph Yoon from Addicted to Quack, which is Oregon's SB Nation site. If you're looking for more Rose Bowl content outside of Bucky's fifth quarter, make sure to go check those guys out. We've got a ton of great stuff, of course, leading up to the big game. Obviously, it's the Rose Bowl. There's a lot of content for both sides to cover. Uh, so if you're looking for, to get more info on the Ducks outside of what you've heard from us on the site or us on the podcast, make sure to go over and check out Addicted to Quack. Uh, they got a lot of great stuff out already on that. Joseph, thanks for joining the show. How are you doing today? Good. Uh, thanks for having me. All right. Well, let's talk. Well, let's get into just the Ducks kind of overall <coughs> season encompassed into kind of where the feelings of both you and the fan base kind of is at this point. I know. Coming into the season, there was obviously discussions of, you know, Oregon to to be a playoff contender. 
maybe get into the playoff after I know the Pac-12 has had some rough time getting in there these last few years. Is this kind of, you know, I, I know the Rose Bowl is never disappointing, but were fans expecting more from this season or is this or less? Or is this kind of about where you guys expected coming in to finish up and you know be playing for a Rose Bowl and be happy with it? I think it was uh, mainly what most people expected, but the opening game was kind of a disappointment. And um, it just, um, it really, it was really pretty much what I expected from the season. Most people were expecting maybe an eight and four, seven, nine, nine one type of season. But uh, the Rose Bowl season has been, um, has been a blessing in disguise for us. Is there any certain reason why you call it a blessing in disguise or just kind of a, you know, a reset to the fan base or, or maybe just, you know, exceeding expectations and, and getting to somewhere you feel was feel was better than what you expected coming in? I think uh, it's it's a blessing in disguise because it, it exceeded expectations, obviously. Sure. The Auburn loss um, reset everybody's expectations because we were in it until the very end. And but we. It's somehow we somehow lost it thanks to some questionable calls. But um, the Arizona State loss really reset our expectations from playoff to Rose Bowl. But the Rose Bowl is not a bad consolation prize once you think about it. No, not at all. Especially you know coming in, how how important was it for you guys? I know obviously the Arizona State loss was was disappointing. But how how good did it feel to bounce back and not pack it in and, and, and come out and beat a really good Utah team to, to take home the Pac-12 title? It felt really great because the, in the past, the Duck teams would, you know, just, you know, fold tents and just go home mentally. And, you know, it's it's good to see that Mario Cristobal has uh, reinforced the mental the mental strength side of the of the team. In such sure. order. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it seems like you know this this Oregon team is is better, you know, more disciplined and able to you know get up for every game. And I think that it seems like, at least from my perspective and as, as an outsider, that that Mario Cristobal seems to have a pretty good handle on what's going on with this program. Is that what you guys all think too? Yeah, he's uh, he's really built strong relationships here, and uh, he's. He's made excellent coaching hires, and it's um, recruiting is the lifeblood of any program. But he's made that a huge priority over the last regime. Absolutely. Well, let's get into a little bit of obviously this Oregon, you know, the the players itself on this team. And I think everyone in from Wisconsin, if you're a Badger fan, you probably know the name Justin Herbert, the quarterback, and you know, obviously a top ranked prospect for the NFL draft been around a few years now where you probably know that name he's kind of put together I think some really great games I've always been a fan of Justin Herbert's game but he's also had some games that didn't go so well and he didn't maybe light up the stat sheet and kind of struggled do you think there's any particular reason why you know he's had some really great games and some that just haven't uh, you know been put together is there any certain reason as to why that kind of happens for him uh, I think it has to do with his uh, with his skill set, where he just um, he seemingly doesn't have the ability to throw a receiver open, and he just throws it to where the receiver should be most cases. But it's just um, he's very inconsistent with his with his skill set, so it's um, it's mind boggling. 
and you don't know which Herbert's going to show up, good Herbert or bad Herbert. So it's the mystery. <laughs> yeah, that would be that would be tough to figure out if you've got you know you know your your star quarterback kind of with inconsistencies and not knowing which side you're going to get. Would you say Herbert in the passing game is kind of the strength of this team, or what would you say was the overall strength of this 2019-2020 Oregon Ducks football team? I would say uh, both sides in the trenches, the lines. Sure. Yeah, the offensive line, I've, I've heard a lot about them. Obviously, you know, coming into the season, I do some national writing and preseason stuff, and I, I looked at that offensive line, and, of course, you know, you see it in, like, the Phil Steele magazines that they've got a ton of experience how big of it, you know, and how important has it been to to have a five, you know, five guys on that line that are experienced and talented, and and how, you know, how much further has that progressed this team? Uh, it was very important to our team uh, because uh, our running backs are not, you know, not that special in consideration of the other running backs in this in this draft class, but the offensive offensive line was a key to our success. Yeah, they they seem like a really strong unit. Obviously, you've got a, a, five guys that are pretty experienced, and it seems like C.J. Fordell has has really been able to maybe find his own in terms of that and and run behind that talented offensive line. Is is are, are Ducks fans pretty high on Verdell, or is is it more kind of like Wisconsin gets? Obviously, Jonathan Taylor's a tremendously talented runner, but he's got a they've got a really good line that can open holes for anyone. Is it is it more so the run game predicated on? on the line strength or is it Verdell's skill set? I think it's the more towards the line strength because of uh Verdell, he he was inconsistent as well until probably the halfway point of the season where he struggled with his vision. He would just basically run up the rear end of the hole of the lineman instead of seeing the hole as it was, kinda like Trent Richardson did in the NFL where um but he really improved his vision after the bye week. That's yeah, that's interesting to know. I, I, that's a good, you know, that I've watched a, a few Oregon games where he's he's kind of struggled. I think that Trent Richardson comparison kind of kind of plays in that regard. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, it's one thing that I I guess I was not so much surprised about with this Oregon Ducks team, but you know, Oregon of of the past isn't really been you know hasn't been known for defense, but this defense for this Ducks team. Seems to be pretty strong, you know, from front to back. I think the the defensive line seems really talented. So where do you feel that this kind of, you know, this defensive unit kind of excels overall? I would say the secondary and the in the line itself. Because our secondaries are experienced after playing every game for three years. And uh, our nickel and our big nickel is Javon Holland. He's probably one of the best safeties in the country next year, in the in terms of draft prospects. So, and hopefully Lenore and Graham Jr. come back. But it's they haven't said anything in that regard. But um, defensive line wise, we have uh, Jordan Scott, uh, aka Fat Mac. Uh, he hasn't declared yet, but he seems like a three and out guy. But he's a, a three four classic nose tackle type of type of line prospect but um he can also play four three in a four three tackle in, in that scheme so and also our freshman sensation Kayvon Thibodeau he who blew up against like Utah so you guys have to watch out for him <laughs> yeah that's 
that's the name that I was going to ask you about. I mean, he, I, I saw him obviously with his recruiting last year and being the number one player in the country for the class of, uh, you know, this, this freshman class, in case anybody doesn't know that name already, he was, you know, had, like you mentioned, had a huge game uh, against Utah that really kind of showed that this guy seemed to be a star in the making. Is that the case? Is he the next maybe Chase Young, which Badger fans are used to? I wouldn't go that far just yet, but I would say <laughs> I would say he was a like a Dion Jordan sure. type. Sure. Yeah. The extremely talented. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, the the Badgers don't need another Chase Young to try and deal with. That's for sure. <laughs> They've had enough time, uh, trouble, enough trouble trying to deal with him the first two times. But yeah, no, he seemed like a really talented player that I wanted to get your opinion on. Just being, you know, usually true freshmen, you know, on the offensive side of the ball can come in and contribute, but you don't really see a ton of true freshman defense come in and make an impact right away like he has. But he seems to have have not missed a beat, you know, since his time on campus. Is that is that kind of correct? Yeah, he didn't start early on. But after uh, another senior contributor went down, he had to start. So that's he had a he had a rocky start going on early, but he he seems to have come on really strong from the midpoint of the season. Is there any other names that Wisconsin fans obviously we've talked a few we've talked about Verdell and Herbert um, and then Thibodeau on the defensive side and you mentioned some other defensive names. Is there anyone else that Badger fans should be aware of that that's been an impact player on on defense or offense? Uh, I have one each for offense and defense. Offensively, you guys should be familiar with this name, Juwan Johnson, or a graduate mm-hmm. transfer from Penn, yep. Penn State. Uh, he's really improved from his time there in uh, State College. He he's been known for drops, but mm-hmm. he's been he's been catching nearly everything. So um, he, he's the go-to weapon now that Jacob Reeland's out with injury. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's uh, you know, he's obviously a name that the Badger fans are pretty familiar with from that Penn State, from his Penn State days, and taking on him in the Big Ten Championship a couple of years ago, and you know, a big receiver that, that the Badgers will have to look out for, you know, with a, a somewhat still fairly young secondary for Wisconsin. Just coming into this game, obviously, you know, there's there's strengths for teams on both sides. I think this game seems pretty pretty evenly matched, but. Is there any certain area that you feel Oregon has a distinct advantage and maybe uh, the, where the Badgers have an advantage and Oregon has a has maybe a disadvantage? Um, I would say probably um, probably in the probably in the secondary versus Wisconsin's receivers. I haven't watched most Wisconsin tape, but I saw the Big Ten title game. But uh, basically, we have at least four cover guys against uh, Quentin Cephas. So sure. that's probably an advantage, but you know Wisconsin's advantage is the big, powerful offensive line you guys have, and Jonathan Taylor being the Dope Walker Award winner, and he should have been invited to New York, by the way. Uh, we appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> I I recognize talent for what it is. He, I mean, he should have been invited for to New York, even if he wasn't going to win the trophy. But you know, he had almost Rondé numbers. So. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're yeah. a big we're a big fan of JT, and you know, obviously, it was disappointing for him to not get there after after really three straight great seasons. But you know, that's unfortunately uh, that's kind of where it is right now. It's, it seems like the Heisman is a little bit of a quarterback award, and and JT kind of got the short end of the stick on that one. Yeah, it's just the the biggest strength on weakness matchup is the Wisconsin offensive line against Oregon's somewhat physical, but kind of 
still finesse defensive line, so uh, especially Cole Van Lannan against Kayvon Thibodeau, that's going to be an interesting matchup to watch. Yeah, that would be a good one to watch. And, yeah, obviously, I mean, yeah, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. Wisconsin, that's kind of their their advantage against most teams. If they're going to have one, it's going to be running the football. Um, but I'm interested to see how that matchup will kind of play out, given – you know, Oregon's talent uh, on that side of the ball, but hasn't faced maybe a, a rushing attack like Wisconsin. So I think that's going to be really interesting to see. Obviously, you know, Oregon and Wisconsin have a history in the Rose Bowl. And, you know, I think back to that game uh, with some with some nightmares, just given how it ended for Wisconsin. But it was a track meet, you know, coming into the, you know, the, the third and fourth quarter. There was already a lot of points on the board and it just kind of kept continuing. Do you expect that to maybe play out similar this time with both teams being able to strike quickly? Or is this Ducks team a lot different than those ones of years past and, and seems to play with a little bit slower pace? Do you expect it to be you know, a more you know, run-heavy, lower-scoring type game? Or how do you feel that this game might play out for these two teams? Um, I expect it to be like a more physical slugfest like we see in the Big Ten usually. Uh, the Ducks play a lot more slower and more conservative, so um, it's just Herbert. We haven't completely unleashed him yet as a runner, so it's going to be like whoever whoever outphysicals the other side will probably win. Yeah, that's a good point because I mean I think I think Wisconsin fans obviously they think of the Chip Kelly Oregon's with with the DeAnthony Thomases and the you know Dennis Dixons and those. <laughs> speed you know speed offenses that that really move the ball fast and and get up and down the field and and get off as many plays as they can but that's not this that's not Mario Cristobal's Oregon Ducks correct no he's he's more like the early early Saban Bama style coach where he just like relies on relies on his offensive line to grind you out and just go physical and grind and grind and grind until you just wear out well, Badger fans can certainly appreciate that. That's kind of how we like to we like to win football games as well as that grind it out mentality. And I think that it plays if you, if you run the system right and you've got a coach that can do it. Um, is there anything in particular? I know you talked about a disadvantage, you know, obviously going against Wisconsin's offensive line. Is there anything else that worries you about this game? Or are you just really excited to see kind of how this thing just matches up and, and see what happens? I'm just interested how the Ducks stop the run game. Yeah, I'm just... Really excited for the game overall. I think it's the best matchup outside the playoff. So yeah, yeah, I would agree. I'm I'm super excited for this game. Obviously, it's uh, the Rose Bowl is always awesome for both sides, no matter the outcome or no matter the score. It's going to be exciting just given the pageantry of of Pasadena and everything that comes with it. So it should be a pretty fun one. Now, um, I'll give you one last question. This is what we ask every uh, you know. A, every opponent that comes on and, and basically it's a fill in the blank for us. And we always ask Oregon wins this game. If blank, and I'll let you fill that in. Okay. Oregon wins this game. If they, if they, um, hmm. that's a good question. <laughs> Thank you. These, these two teams are so evenly matched in their terms of strength and weaknesses. So I guess Oregon would, win this game if they if they just out physical Wisconsin and just beat them at their own game there you go that's interesting to know for sure for Badger fans if you're if you're looking for one maybe key spot it's I think it's going to be you know overall this game probably comes down to like you said who who wins in the trenches essentially right yeah all righty 
Well, thank you again for coming on. Um, we appreciate you. And again, guys, if you're looking for uh, Rose Bowl coverage from the Oregon perspective, make sure to go over to Addicted to Quack and check them out. Uh, they've got a ton of fun stuff. I know uh, some of our guys on our staff are answering some questions uh, for their site. So plenty of stuff to read up on as the granddaddy of them all quil- quickly approaches. Jordan, thanks again for joining the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. Absolutely. All right, Badger fans. Well, that wraps up our interview with Jordan and Addicted to Quack. So make sure to uh, rate, review, and subscribe to our show. We'll have, of course, our full recap episode out after the Rose Bowl game. We'll get you everything there are thoughts uh, from Pasadena. So, guys, thank you again for listening. Rate, review, subscribe on Wisconsin. (laughs) 